Welcome to Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. And today we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit. We talk a lot about energy issues, we talk a lot about economic development, but really as a cooperative, one of our kind of core missions is to make our community better and do what we can to support our community. And oftentimes that involves electricity, but sometimes it doesn't. And one unique program we have here is our Cherryland Cares grant program. And basically the way Cherryland Cares works is Cherryland members who are interested in participating can round up their bill to the nearest dollar. All that money gets pooled into a fund and then a board of volunteer Cherryland members quarterly takes grant applications and gives that money back out into the community. Since its inception in 2006, Cherryland Cares has given out almost $400,000 to 90 nonprofits all here locally. So it's, a, it's just a really cool program. For most of our members, it's a couple dollars a year, $6 a year, but collectively, we've had a really big impact. And so joining me today to, dus to discuss Cherryland Cares and the impact that it has had and is continuing to have in our community is, first of all, Tony Anderson, our general manager here at Cherryland. Hey, Tony. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. And then I also have uh, representatives from two of the organizations that Cherryland Cares helped out this year. The first is Gina Aranke, the Executive Director of Child and Family Services. Hi, Gina. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for joining us. Our pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> and also Becca Binder. Binder, am I saying Binder. That? Binder. Mm -hmm. Even better. Uh, the Executive Director of Northwest Michigan Supportive Housing. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. And then uh, on the phone here, we have uh, the Regional Credit Officer at Chemical Bank and a longtime Cherryland Cares board member, Jeremy Hawk. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you for calling. Thank you for taking time out of your travel to call in and participate. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. So to kick us off, Jeremy, you've, you've been on the CARES board for, I think, probably at least eight years now. Uh, yeah. Tell me, I guess, tell me why you con continue to volunteer your time doing this. Well, originally, you know, Tony, Tony's very persuasive and he, <laughs> he <laughs> asked me to join. One time, uh, and I, I came, asked you. <laughs> came onto the came onto the board, uh, ended up chairing the board. I, I think I've been chair for four or five years now. Um, I just really enjoy it. It's it, compared to some other volunteer organizations that I'm involved with. It's it's not a huge time commitment. We meet quarterly, um, and it it you know it's a chance to see. Uh, money's dispersed into the community where we know they're going to go and have direct impact and, and help people, you know, in, in our region, in, in the uh, Cherryland footprint. So in the eight years you've been on the CARES board, what kind of changes have you seen? Or is, have, you, have you noticed any changes in the CARES fund? Um, well, we've had, I, from when I started, we had pretty much a complete turnover uh, of the board. And I think... Um, it's much more focused on the, I guess, health and human services, I think, is more where we're kind of focusing getting the funds out uh, into the community. And I think that's just more a flavor of, of this group of people. You know, the, the, the bylaws are, are a little bit broad, um, but we tend to want to get the monies to where they're going to directly impact people on the ground. Yeah, and it seems that seems to me at least like a good fit for considering the fact that it is the cooperative members' money. We know that we have we're primarily residential. Ninety-five percent of our membership is residential. We have a, a pretty high 
um, level of low-income members. So I think it's awesome that you guys are prioritizing getting money to the organizations that are most directly impacting other Cherryland members. That's, a, I think, a great fit. Um, yeah, I agree. So, so, what, so what kind of challenges do you guys face as a board right now? Um, there's, there's not been any shortage of applicants. I think the, the big challenge is, you know, getting members aware of the, of the program and that you can, you can round up. And actually, um, I, I do, I've added $5 to my bill, um, to, to contribute. So it's an easy way to put money into the community. And, uh, I think for the first time that I've been, uh, involved in the board, we've actually deployed pretty much all of the funds uh, that we have available to us. So um, I think the big focus going forward will be making sure that we can maximize the contributions of the members, getting them getting them into um, because because there's no shortage of of need. Yeah. yeah, and that's something new we've just started that a lot of members probably don't know that. Typically, Chairline Cares has been, you can round up to the nearest dollar, so it averages 50 cents a month. But we've recently added the ability to, for you to put a dollar amount on it, like Jeremy said, $5 a month. And we have people doing that 5 and $10 a month to, so we can have a bigger impact even. And that's something we will be promoting heavily in 2018. And we, and we also added the opportunity for people to do a one-time donation through their electric bill as well. True. Or, you know, like they want to kick off, so they say, I want to start with $20 and then just round my bill up for the rest of the year. So we've really tried to expand the options for people. But I think another important piece of this, and Jeremy, you hit on it, but it is raising awareness. And not just awareness that this is a way that members can contribute, but awareness of what those dollars are doing in the community. And that's why I'm very excited to have... Uh, both Becca and Gina here today to talk a little bit about your organization. So, Gina, do you want to kick us off and just tell us a little bit about Child and Family Services yes. and kind of what's your mission in this community? Yes. Uh, well, our mission is to strengthen families and individuals from of all ages through a variety of programs. Foster care and adoption are the primary um, programs that we've provided over the, the last 80 years. We've been around since 1937, so we've been in this community a long, long time. And uh, over the years, the organization's grown and change to uh, to add other programming and other services as the community has changed. We've tried to respond to its changing needs, adding things like wraparound um, intensive family preservation services, counseling, 24-hour crisis, uh, uh, crisis access through our hotline, third-level hotline. We have shelter for youth, uh, runaway and homeless youth at Pete's Place. So a whole variety of programs for um, you know, like Jeremy said, the human services, the human side of, of things in our community. So we are super, super grateful to have been um, a beneficiary of Cherryland Cares for a long time. I do my own rounding up. I'm a member too, and uh, and I'm glad to know about the ability to add to that, not just add you know those few cents to each of your dollars, but but you know a large to make a larger impact if you if you choose. And I really. Um, being on the side of the grant writer side, you know, the person who's always asking, I appreciate hearing Jeremy's perspective, too, about the, the number of organizations, because being, you know, being part of the board that does the, the distribution of the, of the funds, you really get a sense of what kind of need there is in the community on so many different levels, and that's something, as individual organizations, we, you know, we tend to get very, um, you know, we can be uh, really concentrated on our own thing, 
but when we um, when we have opportunities like this to talk with other organizations too to see what other people are doing, I think that's really valuable. So it's just another piece of it. That's right. And and what I like about having you on the podcast today is that you have received several Charity yeah. Cares grants over time, and. One of the things, and I'm sure, Jeremy, you can speak to this too, that's, that's a challenge, is we want to continue to be able to support the organizations that we've built a relationship with, but as we have very limited funding, that can be very um, challenging. Sure. Uh, and also, just a fun fact for you, you are the exact same age as Cherryland because we were, you were started in 1937 and we started in 1937. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. I think yeah, I read cool. that somewhere, actually. That's pretty cool. And I should say that, yes, you, the, the community, the Cherryland community has been super generous with Child and Family Services. We added up, it's about $25,000 since the wow. inception of the program that has been received by our organization. And many individual grants as well as... Um, you know, individual assistance as well as like program grants, things like, um, you know, marketing assistance, but also um, pregnancy counseling, um, foster, you know, direct assistance to um, family, foster families. We, my, one of my favorites was putting together um, the resources for a young man in foster care who, well, he was entering foster care, living with his brother. He, his parents didn't, couldn't keep home safe for him and he was just a very young guy 14 or 13 and he needed a handicapped accessible bathroom and his brother wanted to care for him and be his guardian but he didn't have the ability to build that bathroom for him and Cherry Land Cares built that bathroom for him That's really so it's pretty sweet yeah that's really awesome. So, Becca, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Northwest Michigan supportive housing and, and what you all are trying to accomplish in our community? Absolutely. So, we cover um, a five-county area, Grand Traverse, Antrim, Kalkaska, Benzie, and Leelanau, um, and our mission is to end homelessness by providing permanent supportive housing to uh, individuals and families uh, who struggle with mental illness. So our target population are individuals who have resided on the streets or in our shelters um, for for the la you know for years, months, months to years. Um, and so we're sort of a two-part program. We provide case management services to our tenants. So we have a case management component, and then we also have a rental subsidy component um, that we offer. So. Um, affordability, we say 30% of your income towards your rental amount is what's affordable. So tenants pay 30% of their income towards their rent, and our organization, through HUD dollars, subsidizes the rest. Do you have a sense of what the extent of the need for what you do is in, our, in that five-county region? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so every year there's an annual pit count, so it's a point-in-time count. Um, I'd be interested to look to see, I don't know off the top of my head what the pit count was of the last uh, in the last year that um, the need was. We're usually about two to 300 units. Um, you know, if you wanted to look at something um, to say, you know, how many people are waiting for, you know, permanent supportive housing and services, usually about, you know, I think we're at about two, 250. Um, we, in the community, we work through a prioritization process, so we really match the program. We provide permanent supportive housing, and so what, um, truly we're targeting a population that really needs those intense supports, and so um, we're matching those with the tenants themselves, and then we um, own four properties of our own. We're general um, partners in two different properties in town, and then we work with, I think right now we're at about 37 private landlords in the community. Um, so we're really heavily dependent on private landlords, anywhere from one bedrooms to um, three bedrooms. We have a couple four bedrooms, but usually three bedrooms, about the largest that we go. 
Um, and we receive about 75% of our grant is um, HUD dollars that we receive. But the remaining 25 um, comes through community contributions. So we've been a recipient of Cherryland Cares since 2013. Um, and just this last year in 2017, um, that went to two new supports. So uh, for households, um, we're responsible through contributions that we receive for paying security deposits, um, utility bills. We cover utility bills for some of our tenants if it's not, you know, if they're not able to pay above the 30%, um, and then support costs as well. Um, and with the growing need of supports that we provide, um, that's always increasing the um, the amount of, of case managers that we need, the amount of supports that, you know, we are very, um, we really believe in what we do. We believe that by providing permanent supportive housing, um, we can end homelessness and, and um, keep people stable, but it comes with, um, pretty intense supports, so. How have your numbers come down over the years? Do you have any sense where we were 10 years ago with homelessness versus today? Absolutely, so I think that we've seen, I've been in this community now since 2011, um, and with Northwest Michigan Supportive Housing um, in this role just since September. Um, Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Happy to be in it. Um, so we, we, there's been, I think that there, we've, we've seen a bit of a spike in, in homeless numbers. Um, a lot of that goes with the housing that, that is out there. Um, the rental market exceeds any affordability. Um, so when we're looking at the two things we need to house people, we're looking at safety in housing and affordability in mm -hmm. that. So I think that um, we've seen a bit of an increase in homelessness um, in the last few years, but we've also really targeted a specific population. So through our community, this prioritization process, what that really means is that we're targeting individuals who likely will not be able to exit homelessness by themselves without these intense supports. And so it's been a great opportunity and, and um, really privileged to see the, the, um, the individuals and the families that we're targeting and that we're housing and supporting now has been a much, it's, um, it's, it's been a huge shift than what we've done in the years past where it's sort of a first come first serve um, concept. With that being said, the individuals that, um, that, that are also experiencing homelessness receive light touch services or also kind of receive, the, they'll, some people will experience homelessness but not in um, long duration. They just need kind of this light, light touch support to, to get back on their feet. Um, and so there's really been a great community of organizations that's come together to really focus and, um, and, and tackle the issue. So we've done for, I've been fortunate enough to attend a lot of statewide conferences and nationwide. And um, on the day-to-days, we think, gosh, are we really making these great strides, right? It's kind of difficult when you're in it. And when I get to step out of our community and go to these conferences, you see that our, our northern Michigan region is really dedicated to, to this mission and um, is really providing best practice services and doing a really good, it's very cool to see um, that we're really up in line with some of these larger communities that are that are um, targeting the issue. Mm -hmm. That's really mm -hmm. awesome. So you, you had mentioned that um, the CARES grant you received this year would help 
with supportive housing for two different people. But Gina, I don't think you mentioned what the CARES grant that you guys received this year was going to be used for. Yes, you, uh, Cherry Land supported uh, a campaign that we do on an annual basis called the Brown Bag Campaign. And um, there's been some support for that over the last couple of years, uh, several really. And it is a, a summertime um, campaign that we have, uh, that we have uh, carried out in, throughout the region. Our region is comparable to the Cherryland region in terms of where we service. It's uh, the kind of the northwestern corner of the lower, northern lower peninsula. And we, what we do is we, um, we print a whole bunch of little brown bags and they're sort of symbolic of the fact that children come into foster care and to some of the services that we have with very little to their name. They're, they're pulled out of um, dangerous and, um, and uh, unsafe situations, sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes from school, so they don't have an opportunity to gather up their things and, um, and uh, make the move to uh, um, a temporary home uh, in foster care. And so what uh, so the idea is that people can contribute the little brown bag that that shows up in their in their newspaper in the summertime can is is a mailer doubles as a mailer and people can make a contribution to that but for the cost of the inserts themselves and the cost of placing them in the newspapers there's about 15 newspapers that these go in each year um, Cherryland has helped to um, underwrite those costs and help us raise, you know, it's about $30,000 each year. So it's been about $150,000 over the course of the, 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 the length of the, the campaign that's been raised um, in total to help support kids' needs and a variety of needs. Those things are from um, we, we talk about them as kind of value-added or as extras, you know, the community to talk about them as extras, but they're not extra in our book. They're vital to um, helping kids figure out what their aptitudes are and what their interests are. Sports and music lessons or dance lessons or, you know, those kinds of things are what we provide for, and those to us are not extra. Those are important to every childhood. So that's what Cherryland supported um, through Child and Family Services this yeah. year. I like the brown bag campaign a lot because mm -hmm. we can take $1,000 of Cherryland Cares money and turn it into $30,000. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it makes an even bigger impact. Right. It really leverages... A lot of a lot of other contributions yeah, in the community. It's a, it's a yeah. great partnership. Yeah, we love it too. It also reaches out because we do it in the summertime and we do it through the newspapers. That's very that's very um, purposeful, and it helps us reach visitors to our community too. Um, people who spend to, you know maybe a month or maybe more, maybe even a little bit less, but they care about this community. They spend time here. They love it, and they want to give back too. And it's one way for us to, you know, to really reach out to them. It's uh, and you know, without having those people in our database already, that's a way that, that we are able to um, leverage new donors too. And it's, it's resulted sometimes in new foster families for us and, uh, and volunteers, so it really reaches people in many different ways. It's a good program. How big is the database? How many names do you have at your organization and, and yours? Hmm, good question. I'm guessing about 5,000 in ours. How about you? For, for donors that, that we're reaching. Mm -hmm. um, so every year we do our, um, we do an end of the year mail out campaign. Um, and that's probably about similar. I think it usually varies about three to 5,000 um, depending on current, you know, current, current mm -hmm. donors. Um, and then to, to who, you know, new, new community members, new givers, new donors. What is your biggest fundraiser outside of Cherryland Cares? Mm -hmm. you, you're, you 
certainly need more money than Charlene Cares gives. Yeah, yeah, we do a lot of fundraising in mm -hmm. our organization. Um, you probably do too. Yeah. <laughs> um, we we do a couple of golf outings. Those are um, popular. People love their golf up here, and uh, there's lots of opportunities. I think you could, you know, you could in the summertime, you know, go to two or three a day mm -hmm. <laughs> probably. Mm -hmm. um, but we do those, and we do a great event with um, partners at uh, Golden Fowler Home Furnishings. I don't know if you've heard anything mm -hmm. about it. It's called called um, the Celebrity Dream Room Classic, and yep. it is a blast, big fun. It's a sort of this cele local celebrity competition. Design your favorite, you know, your 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 wish wish dream room. You know, if you had your druthers and no, you know, no limit to your expense to, to what it would cost. Design what your favorite room would look like, and they do that right in the showroom in this furniture store. And there's food, and there's music, and there's all kinds of things, and and there's you know stocking the, the the pots for with votes for your favorite one because it's all for a mm -hmm. good cause and it is very very fun and very and very successful and we probably have about 300 people come to that in the first the friday just before valentine's day so put that in your calendar exactly. tony mm -hmm. you should okay. come to that and yeah. and <laughs> you shout, should come too. shout out yeah. to golden fowler because they're another yeah, organization that's just a great support in the community mike they, mons they are really awesome are. and yeah. and yes. the amount of money that they put back into the community is really impressive they are remarkable they people really are. they Absolutely. really are so we do our, um, we're a small organization, so there's um, just, a, just a few of us there, uh, and then, in, of course, our board members. Um, uh, we do our annual uh, Drive for Dignity golf outing. Uh, so June 2nd, we actually just confirmed our date, it's June 2nd for 2018 at the Crown Golf Club. Um, we'll have plenty of information on our website and being sent out, you know, coming the start at the start of the new year um, for it. Um, but we really do just that one big main event um, because of the size. And then um, we just have a lot of, of um, private donors, organizations, foundations um, that contribute to us. Um, so we just kind of have one annual. We used to have a ride for Dignity mm -hmm. um, where you rode from kind of Southwest Bayshore Drive uh, up to the Sutton's Bay area. Um, but again, as a small organization, we sort of take our time and resources to where we can um, really put it in and, and so we do the big summer golf outing and we add to yeah <laughs> so that many more can join constant constantly fundraising right mm. that's, yeah that's yeah the, yep. well I we don't have a ton of time left but I wanted to give each of you the opportunity to let our listeners know like what's your what's your big challenge right now or mm -hmm. what what ask if there was mm -hmm. you know when you look mm -hmm. here's a program that really needs help or here's the thing we're really trying to get done what's that thing for for both of your organizations right now hmm. that's a good question I think I might say that um, that maybe the there's there's several, but I'll, but I'll talk about one, and that is um, our 24/7 crisis. I made a little bit of reference to it earlier, um, the crisis unit or our crisis hotline, and that came to Child and Family Services as a result of our merger between uh, with uh, between us and um, Third Level. They used to be the they were the crisis intervention center, and we. Um, so we've added that to our roster in the last few years. Um, I think, I think when we when you really think about it, it's vitally important for a community to have that resource, to have a place that people can call um, anytime about anything, and it really does run the gamut from. Um, I am not sure where to get food. Where's the nearest food bank to where I am staying? To I have a gun to my head, mm -hmm. and I need somebody to talk to me. Mm -hmm. um, so. But it's also 
the kind of thing that you know there there's some there's partial funding for that when we do you know for the after hours piece of it but for the daytime hours there's no there's no reimbursement for the daytime hours that the eight so, sort of eight to five period of time when we have people on call all the always and though that that time isn't paid for so we fundraise for that um, but it's an ongoing challenge and I think people it's a, I feel like it's one of those it's a wonderful life moments where you have to think about what it would be like if you didn't have it if you're if you're if you weren't here in other words if the crisis unit wasn't here what would it be like for we 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 have um, we take 30,000 phone calls texts walk-ins a year on that line Wow. and in a community of this size that is significant not enough people know about that not enough people realize what it takes to keep that going um, there are there are um, crisis hotlines in communities and cities around the country that are closing for lack of resources so we're really lucky to have it um, but we it's important for us to realize how lucky we are and to help support it so I would say that that's a biggie for me among a few others and Gina the, those folks man the uh, they're also the regional uh, call center for the for the national suicide hotline number correct correct Jeremy yep if anyone calls the national that that hotline that national number from certain area codes in this in this uh, state they get routed to our hotline oh, wow. mm -hmm. were you part of that merger Jeremy seems like you were on the board at one time yeah I, I I was on third levels board and full disclosure I'm a trustee at Chom Family Services. Also, Thank you, that's Jamie. one of my other mm -hmm. volunteer activities because mm -hmm. uh, that organization has has uh, held ties for for me personally uh, and even more so recently. So, Gina, if if um, any of our listeners would like to support Third Level Crisis Center, can they go to your website to do so? Is Absolutely. that the best way? Yep, that's the that's the best way. www.cf S, like Child and Family Services, it's a mouthful, sorry, NWMI, CFS, NWMI, like Child and Family Services of Northwestern Michigan. And we'll be sure to post those links with the podcast as well. So, Becca, um, tell me about what's kind of on the horizon for you yes. guys, your biggest challenge. And I just did want to say, too, that crisis line is instrumental. We're, um, we're not an after-hours organization. We don't provide those services. And when somebody moves into, um, into our housing and as a new tenant, um, one of the first things we do is create a crisis plan. And so it's what right now from a stable place, what would you may, you know, maybe do or who might you contact um, if a crisis does arise? And more often than not, third level's on that list. So Good. absolutely great Thanks. services. Absolutely. So for us, um, we, so we're sort of a two-part component. Um, we're a small organization and we, um, and um, we're really dedicated to the people that we serve, but with that, we need to be able to find adequate housing for them. So our biggest thing right now is, is looking at housing. We're at a shortage of it, and so what do we do? We feel that our only solution is to build. Um, our um, board, our organization at this point in time is really having some great conversations about what that means for us in the next year or two, um, and I think that's really something that we'd like to do. With that being said, if we build new housing, we house new people, which is great, but we have to be able to support them. And so also coming from that, the, the um, support service dollars, so to be able to grow our organization. Um, so really the housing, um, the housing piece of it, one bedrooms in the community, if anybody has any one bedrooms <laughs> that you'd like to rent to us, I, 
I urge you to call me, um, 231-929-1309. Um, seriously, where it's such a, such a shortage of them. Um, and that's really the population that's most at need. Two and three bedrooms we're able to find. But one bedroom affordable person. is just so difficult. Um, and so we're really talking at that level of what that looks like. Um, uh, and so really, I, th I think probably by the start of this next year, we hope to be able to kind of um, start speaking to some people in the community about, you know, about, about building. Um, and, then the, and then with that, you know, do you do them at the same time or two different projects? <laughs> but with that, if we do house more people, then we need to be able to provide them those supports. We see our tenants, some tenants we see three times a year, sometimes we see them three to five times a week. I mean, it varies with their need. Usually, initially in housing, the supports are always more intense at the beginning, and then over time, as they stabilize in housing, they, they lessen a bit. Um, we were given um, 20 what are called moving up vouchers from MISHTA, so they're very similar to the Section 8 or Housing Choice vouchers. And those are for um, households that no longer need these support services of ours, but still really need that financial subsidy in their rent. And so they can be put on this moving up voucher. Um, we're the only rural community in Michigan that received them from Michigan, so that was pretty exciting. Um, and they're solely for Grand Traverse County. But we can put our tenants on the moving up vouchers. That's, of course, if they're willing. It's all voluntary, so we have lots of conversations with them about it. Um, but they can move on to these, and that opens up those financial subsidies for us in the community. But Great. again, we need to be able to provide the services and find the housing that, you know, that we can apply the dollars to. And, so. if, and if people are interested in supporting you, I can send them to your website? Absolutely. It's, okay. it's www.nmshousing.org, so Northwest Michigan Supportive Housing. I, I know we're getting short on time, but I'm curious, what is an affordable rate for a one-bedroom? That's such a great question. Um, so one bedrooms right now, um, the the standard rental amount is seven. What, what we receive, the dollars amount that we receive to use is $756. Um, if utilities are not included in that, then then you know we can pay those in addition, um, and that comes out of our contributions that that we fundraise for. Um, Seven hundred and fifty-six. We we see that the average one bedroom is nine hundred dollars, nine fifty. We see some at twelve hundred. Um, we do find we have a handful of amazing landlords to all of our landlords. Thank you, um, because we have some really amazing landlords. Um, but we also find sometimes that. Um, rentals in that range um, don't pass. We're required to do housing inspections and and um, keep places up to standard, and um, so that's hard to do at, at that price range. Yeah, and then what is the need for foster kids? How many foster kids do we serve in the in your region? Yep, another good question. We uh, we at Ch just at Child and Family Services are serving about a hundred annually. Um, there are other organizations that do provide foster care, but I, I believe I'm right in saying that um, Child and Family Services is the largest in terms of the census that we that we keep. Um, but it's probably closer to 200. And again, in a small community, that's a significant number of kids. I would just add too, because um, because Becca and I have been um, where we first met is on the a task force uh, that is serving um, together with a number of organizations to deal with the question of youth homelessness in mm -hmm. particular too. So it's I think a different, a little different population mm -hmm. than what you have been chatting about mm -hmm. so far. Um, we're talking about 
um, transitional living too for young people who uh, are in need, who are couch surfing, who aren't able to live at home for whatever reason. There's high conflict in their household, or there's something, you know, something going on um, with their between themselves and their folks. And while Pete's place, the shelter, helps to um, put the services in place where families can be reunified, that isn't always an option. And so in addition to the families and the folks that uh, community-supported housing um, serves, we have this whole other population of maybe, it's, it could be three to 500 kids in the mm -hmm. five counties. Yeah. Um, isn't that, is that about right? Yeah, that, I, would, that the count I would think was, so, I think. yep, yeah. So that, that have been at least in part identified as housing unstable is mm -hmm. the words that, that are, are being used. So, so there's the, the kids who are in foster care who, who, you know, foster families take care of those of the housing need, but then there's this whole other kind of subpopulation of our youth who are struggling to be housing secure. And, and it's really true, kind of the mantra of this group is that housing first, it mm -hmm. really has to be about housing mm -hmm. first, because how can you study mm -hmm. and go to school and concentrate on, you know, creating a future for yourself if you don't know where you're going to sleep tonight. Yeah. So yeah. just to, wanted to throw that in too, Tom. Mm -hmm. And I think such a big focus, that's, that's it, um, if not addressed now, and if not supported now in housing, then we will see them again in 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. just at an older age, mm -hmm. coming, you know, coming from homeless, um, homelessness. So yeah, it's really such a, um, a, a vital mission to be able to target that youth. It's awesome. It's, it's amazing too seeing the connections between the different organizations yeah. and um, one of the things that I loved about this particular podcast today is we got to kind of see this gamut of the impact Cherryland Cares mm -hmm. can have and again it's a bunch of people giving six dollars a year, right. fifteen dollars a year but when we put it together collectively it, yeah. it can have a really big, huge. big impact and so I'm, I'm going to make a shameless plug now and say if you are a Cherryland member Please. currently yeah. listening to this podcast who is not rounding up your bill you can give us a call and we can sign you up on the phone or you can log into Smart Hub and sign up there. If you are a Cherryland member who is already rounding up, who would like to make a one-time donation or do a larger roundup of a dollar a month, five dollars a month, you can give us a call and we can set that up for you. And if you are not a Cherryland member who has now been convinced that Cherryland Cares is awesome, we also are an Amazon Smile uh, mm -hmm. charity. So mm -hmm. you can uh, look us up on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of all of your Amazon purchases will go into the CARES Fund where Jeremy and his colleagues on the board will help get them out to organizations like yours. So uh, unless anyone else has anything to add, I will just thank you again for joining us. Tony? I, just one thing quickly. Cherryland serves 30, 36,000 homes and businesses. We only have about 4,200 of them mm -hmm. contributing. So we've got a long way to grow and a lot of people who could contribute and make this impact even bigger. We actually only have 3,800. 3, it's it, it, it's kind of been sliding, and we we're working really, really hard to, to get the word out. Um, and certainly anything that anyone else can do to help us do that, and, and just like telling your stories and how those dollars are having an impact mm -hmm. helps us grow that program. Mm -hmm. Jeremy, did you have anything else to add? No, I was I was going to do the the shameless plug that you did, but you know, <laughs> I think in the in the power lines we're we're or in the country lines we're putting the uh, information of who the grants are going to quarterly now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we heard from two great organizations in the community. There's a ton of other ones uh, that we've been able to support that provide a lot of different you know ground level support in our community, and so I hope people you know did hear this today and got uh, either inspired or at least curious enough to, to dig a little deeper and, and uh, contribute to the, to the fund. Mm -hmm. Do a story. And, awesome. and 
County oh, we, lines. Too. We, yeah. we, we do a lot, we, of, we yeah. do a lot of stories, but there's but we can never do too many. So again, right. thank you all for your time, Jeremy. Thank you for calling in. Thank you yeah. so much for having us. I really appreciate, appreciate being here. Thanks. Thanks, guys.